This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world. Peak too early. I am one of your hosts, Mike Gendron, and I am indeed somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. I am not joined by Steve Gendron, who is on a vacation far away. However, as always, at the House of Sav, I am joined by Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing? Michaelton, it doesn't matter how I'm doing. I'm here. I am here, right? One of us I'm, is here. Some of us are here. Right. Me and you are here. You and I are here. Uh, I'm the one who gets, you know, ridiculed and made fun of for taking all these vacations and, and skipping out on all the podcast stuff. But uh, the last time I recall that I was on vacation, you know, I was grinding. I have my microphone. I put that in my suitcase. I was potting. And here Steve is, you know, out just gallivanting in some tropical paradise, drinking pina coladas and Miller Lights, and, and we're out here grinding. So it really doesn't matter how I'm doing, Mike. I just know that, that I am here. Listen, Trentel, someone's, someone's got to keep the podcast afloat here, and I guess, I guess it's me and you. But I must say, we'll, get, we'll cut Steve a little slack here because he does like 10 times the work that me and you do on this. So this one time, I will give him this this one pass. But the real thing is here because this is the first time I think from start to finish like interview and the, the episode itself that me and you have been left completely alone. And I would like to think that that's because Steve, you know, it, you know, grinds and cares about the podcast and always wants to be on. But the truth of the matter is is he does not trust us and I feel like we've addressed that a gazillion times right he does not trust us so it took us 91 episodes to get to the point where me and you ran the show completely 100 percent ourselves so let's get weird dude let's get off the t- i mean where do we want to start do we want to start with taylor swift do we want to start with shower time i mean where where do we want to go with this oh we could combine those topics we could we could do all sorts of fun stuff here mike i love i love where your head's at let's get as weird as we possibly can but just one note on steve so it took 91 episodes it also took us like convincing him it was okay to not try to like get in on whatever <laughs> wi-fi he's at at some <laughs> hotel in another country um i don't even know what time zone he's on but you know he had sent us that message and we're just like steve yeah yeah, you you can take the night off, man. Like, He's like apologizing to us, like, right. guys, I'm, I'm so, it's like, dude, you are on vacation. What I when wanted I, to, what I wanted I to say vacation, to him, I yeah, ignore exactly. everybody. I right. don't, I don't <laughs> even bring phone. I I left it as like, dude, you deserve this one. Like, I kept it all positive. What I wanted to say is, dude, when I go on vacation, I don't want you bothering me. I'm not logging on to Zoom and recording an episode. It's not happening. So now we have a free pass here by being so, you know gracious and saying steve enjoy your vacation you do your thing yep yep, yep. all right so before we get into it i think we do obviously need to give a shout out to our boys at the harrier so trent i'm gonna be completely 
front with you. And I, I honestly, I think that Harrier would like this. I don't have an ad read in front of me because Steve has all that stuff, right? He's, he's the management. He's the business side of this. I don't have an ad read in front of me here. But if you haven't been to the Harrier, if you haven't been listening to what we're saying, I don't know what you're doing. And if you've missed the big reveal, the huge collab that we got going with them, they just dropped our merch on their website. So now you can officially buy Peak Too Early merch on the Harrier website. They dropped our limited edition. And we've been waiting for this for a long time. I am so excited about this merch. This is, and we went live, Trent, and, you know, again, without Steve. I mean, people are saying that that was the best live stream in the history of running media when we released our brand new sweatshirts, these unbelievable crew neck sweatshirts where you got the taper championship bender sweatshirts. I mean, these things are unbelievable. I mean, the, the Harrier, the-harrier.com is, is basically my homepage right now. Um, I just have that up so that I can remember to, to get that out to, to everybody on my Christmas list. And, you know, I'm a pretty stylish guy, right? I have a really good taste as we've all clearly established. Um, and so the people, everyone listening should follow that lead and check it out. Um, buy our stuff, buy the other stuff up there too. Cause the Harrier like is just a, a really cool clothing company run by some awesome people that I think just like get it, get the vibe that a lot of runners, you know, want when they're looking uh, to just buy some cool gear. And so to get us up on that is, is pretty damn cool. Um, and it's pretty, you know, I think it's pretty legit, Mike. I think we're pretty legit in how we're having our stuff up Chato, there. Chato, what, what, and I'm just saying, this is, this, these are just facts. I'm not making up propaganda. These are just facts. We got a message from our guys at the Harrier. And they said, by the time that we finished our live stream, we haven't even finished our live stream yet. We had sold three sweatshirts. I mean, these things are limited edition and they are flying off the rack. So you got to get them. And like Trent said, while you're there, hit up the Harrier for their other gear because it's unbelievable. All right, let's get in. We, we have a lot of news to talk about here, but let's just open up the floor here for things, for things to get weird because it is me and Trent and you know, who knows where we're going to go with this. One thing I was thinking about Trent on the one run I've done in the last month, you know, which was this week. Shout out to me. No big deal. Um, I was thinking about a couple of runs that me and you have famously done. I think we've at least talked about one of them, you know, our famous middle of the winter run where we went after a ski trip and did some crazy things to get us to run. But I was thinking about another one too, where, uh, <laughs> we, uh, it was a bunch of our teammates and we were, to get through like a 16 mile long run, we were changing like the music genre of uh, Eminem's like uh, cleaning out your closet songs. So we we're making it like a country song. We were making it like an opera song, like all these crazy things just to get us through a long run. So I was, I guess I was kind of brainstorming of like, what are like the craziest things you've done to get yourself mentally through a long run whether it's by yourself or like with a group of people or with your team like what are these weird wacky things that we've done to get ourselves through a long run this this is the season for that too right right you this need is the season where you step outside and it's already dark out right and you had to go back inside and find your gloves and, and get your hat because it's freezing out there um or or it's even even if it's not dark out right if it's your sunday long run um 
you're going into this and, and as soon as you get back, it's going to get dark. You have nothing in your day to look forward to. It's just, it's just the dark and depressing doldrums of the winter. So this is when it comes in. Um, what is the weirdest thing that I have done to get myself through a long run? I mean, you know me, Mike, like I can even, I would even call us a long run the last time we did something weird, but it's just like, you got to let yourself like, like not get caught up in the run and just take in everything going on around you. So if you're running and, and Mike sees like a pond in like a, a house, right? Like a little like pool almost, you just got to jump in, right? You just got to go swimming halfway through your lawn That's run, right. that type of thing. It's a necessity uh, to, to just jump in any kind of body of water that you're nearby. Or, um, you know, if there's a basketball hoop, you just got to go up and like pretend to dunk the basketball, even if it's like in somebody's driveway and there's like a kid playing with it, you know, you just go up and reject the ball or something like that ding dong ditch, like that sort of thing. A lot of ding dong ditching in my high school days. But you got to just like let the stimuli come to you and attack it or you're never going to get through the long run. Trent, when we were at uh, one of our buddies' weddings, do you remember we were we went for the classic, you know, morning of the wedding run when you're hungover from the night before, and you know you're trying to like get yourself back into like the mindset to like be in your buddy's wedding that day, and it was a, a big group of us going for a run, and we were running by this like really nice house with a nice little like pond out front. It was like a man-made pond, and I turned to Trent and <laughs> saying, Trent. When you go, uh, when you go take a dip in that pond, and you're like, nah, nah, his girlfriend was on the runs. So he's like, ah, I can't do that. And then I start feeding him. The, oh, man, I'm so disappointed. You know, the old Trent, the old Trent would have gone jumped in that pond. He would have done it, right? So I start feeding this in your head. Next thing you know, shirts off. You are, you know, chest deep in someone's front lawn, <laughs> swimming in their pond. I mean, that's that's what you got to do, right? I mean, that's what you got to do to keep yourself entertained on these runs. If it's the person who is you know, doing the crazy thing or better yet, in my case, the person encouraging someone to do the crazy things. Yeah. I mean, that, that was what I was definitely thinking of when I was bringing up uh, some of the, the escapades that go on during, you know, quote unquote long run at that point in our lives. Um, but uh, you got to have the energy, man. You got to have that, that, that just like willingness to get after it. Cause it honestly makes you run faster too. You know, it shakes you up. You get out of the rhythm. I think by like, taking a break from the run almost and doing something else that's, you know, a little physical activity, little sprints here and there, it kind of just refocuses you and can get you back into that rhythm to, you know, continue the grind. So another one I was thinking of, and this brings us back to like our actual long run days when we we're doing like real life long, long runs in college. So Sunday morning, right? You had the weekend behind you and we took like the first like five miles, five to six miles of each run of each long run on Sunday for everyone to recap what we called at the time, they're sav stories, right? Sunday morning and sav stories. Sun, <laughs> Sunday morning sav stories. So anybody who's followed us for a long time, right? You know, the SAV racing team, the, the whole sav thing. It's kind of a, um, you know, we're making fun of the culture of like, oh, dude, I'm a sav. Like I'm doing all these crazy things. So we would make fun of ourselves as runners. You know, we're, you know, you know, most people in college are like, you know, trying to party and like have fun, do all these crazy things and like, you know, meet girls and all that. And we would, you know, make fun of ourselves at what we did over the weekend, you know, like, Oh dude, like I, I talked to this girl, I said hi to her or what's up, you know what I mean? Like making ourselves sound cool. So I think back to those, our, our Sunday morning sav stories, trying to make, you know, scrawny little distance runners on our 17 mile long runs, make ourselves sound cool. Oh dude, I chugged this beer last night, dude. I'm such a sav. 
Sunday morning Sav story. I, uh, you know, I, I offered someone to like cut me in line at the hill, and then I ordered yeah. two <laughs> orders of buffalo chicken tenders, buffalo tenders, the, the, the double o order right there. Uh, and then I, you know, let somebody take a napkin before me. Uh, and then I went back and I, yeah, I chugged a Miller Lite in about five minutes. You know, that was a chug. So there we go. There's a Sunday morning Sav story right what there. What a Sav, dude. Doesn't get any right, better than that. This, this is great. I'm glad that we could have got a little bit of nonsense in for Steve. Steve, shout out. I know you're listening. But with that, let's get in to the news. All right, Trent. So these first two news stories, I didn't put it in the show notes, so I can't blame you for not knowing what the hell's going on here. But I think we can still get a little like good conversation going on. So the first one, uh, Alphine Tuliamak, who uh, you know we watched down at the trials in March, make the team, um, runs for Northern Arizona, and she yes yeah, qualified for the Olympics. So basically, what her plan was here was she qualified for the Olympics, obviously made the you know, U.S. Olympic team, then was going to run the Olympics in 2020, and then she was going to decide to start a family. Well, in you know, March and April came around. Obviously, there was rumors of the, the Olympics being canceled and all this, and so it kind of threw off her family plans. So what she decided to do was thread the needle. And reports are coming out now that she is pregnant. She is due to give birth to her child in January, which means that like one month after she made the Olympic team and like all these rumors are coming up, she decided, you know what? Screw it. We're going to thread the needle with our family plants. We're going forward. We're going to have this, you know, baby before the Olympics. And then I'm going to get back to it. Kind of a risky move. She's pulling it off here. She's about to have her baby, and it should give her enough time to get back into shape and get ready for the marathon. Trent, this is a crazy topic. Just throw it at you blindly. How are you feeling about this? I mean, this is, you know, like a woman after a heart smike. Like, this is the ultimate gamble right there of just, like, timing, you know, your pregnancy around it. I mean, shout out to all the women out there that have to like base their professional running careers around, you know, having a family and, and plugging this in there. Hell yeah. Um, but normally, you know, you normally, I'm sure you do it after an Olympic or something like that. You got four years, you can kind of like get things going there and, and then get yourself back at it. But for her to be like, have the confidence and the swag to, to thread the needle, as you said, Mike, and then expect to get herself into like, you know, Olympic marathon shape within the, the few months that it's going to be. What is it? Nine months? Is that how long the pregnancy lasts these days? <laughs> That's right, Trent. <laughs> All right, got it. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how many months it's going to end up being between the end of that and the Olympics, but not a lot of time. So just that's, that's just, yeah, that's an ultimate like cocky move right there. Like I'm going to have my family, no delay there, and I'm going to run the Olympics and going to be like, I'm going to be in great shape for it. So uh, just respect, a lot of respect for that. Right. So when I heard that she was going to have this baby in January, my first, my like mindset went immediately to like, oh, this is an oopsie doopsie type situation. But no, like she came out and is quoted as saying like, this is how they planned it. When the Olympics were looking like they were going to get delayed, they weren't even, they weren't even officially delayed yet, but they were just like looking like she was just like, you know what? We were planning on doing this. I don't want to delay the, our, you know, our family two years here. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to be the family woman. I'm going to do this thing. I am, if I could put all of my money 
on Tuliamak right now? I would because this is such a badass move. Like you said, she's 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 gambling with it, takes the risky move, and now has time to get back into shape. To me, that's like she's got it all figured out. She's got it all planned out, and things are just going her way. This is a this is a problem or, or a, a challenge that I just like never have even thought about or considered before, and it's kind of ridiculous because I'm sure I'm absolutely sure there have been women that have you know maybe not intentionally or uh, just hadn't thought it through, and all of a sudden they're they're dude you know during the Olympics, during a world championship, during For whatever, sure. or even just like a couple months before. Um, so I'm sure if I search you know the the forums online, I'll get all these good stories about it. But man, dude, what a what a thing, man. I just gotta gotta adopt, I guess. I don't know. It's too difficult. I'm, I'm just like channeling Steve's energy when we brought up this topic and he's just like super nervous the whole time about what we're gonna say. He's like, Oh man, this is this is a hell of a topic for these two boys to be talking about. So we'll move on for you, Steve. We'll we'll ease your tensions you got going on there. So the next topic I want to talk about, and I don't want to talk about it very long, but I think we should talk about it, was there was a reversal in the super shoe decision. So uh, basically the you know World Athletics had put out a ruling that you could not run in a shoe that was a prototype. So if it wasn't uh, available to the public, then you could not run in it in sanctioned events. Well, that ruling has been overruled. Now you still can't do it in world championships and Olympics, but every other, you know, the, every other events around the, around the world in, in the sport, you can now run in prototype shoes. They don't have to be on the market. Um, so that just came down. Trent, do you have anything to say about that? I don't know. We need a shoe guy here. Steve is definitely the, the shoe a, expert yeah, of the yeah. pod. I just, are we, are we overcomplicating things here? Right? Like we're going to have different rules for the world championships and the Olympics than we are going to have for other races. That doesn't really seem to make too much sense to me off the bat. And then the idea, I mean, I, I kind of support like not allowing you or getting rid of the rule that you had to have a shoe that was available to the public, right? Because that's, that should be a, a perk for, you know, signing with a, a certain brand, right? You, you get the exclusive stuff. You get the gear that nobody else gets. Um, I, don't, I don't expect to be able to go to the store and buy the helmet that Tom Brady, you know, has on his head, or, or I'm sorry, that Cam Newton has on his head when he's playing football on Sunday. Like, let's, let's save the best for the best. So I kind of I support getting rid of that, you know, uh, part of the rule book but but the different rules for the different events i don't know can we just can we just simplify this whole thing i'd like you know to channel what steve would be saying right here like let's not get caught up like it's the athletes that are performing here so let's make the shoe rules as simple as possible so we can all just move on with our lives exactly that's kind of where i'm at right like the olympics it to me if you're gonna have different rules for the olympics than like everything else that's like you have one rule for the you know the regular season, like 162 games, major league baseball. And then when they get to the playoffs, you change the rules. Like that's like playing nine innings in the regular season. Then we get to the playoffs and we play seven innings. Right. You know, what Why? It's like, you know, it's like, sure. Sure. It's like running an 8k all year and then running 10k, running a 5k exactly. all year and running a 6k. Trent, it's ridiculous. It's great. That's a great point. And we've talked about some million times in college, why they change the distance for the championship races. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But so I'm okay with them. Either way, whatever way they want to go, if they want to do the prototypes, they want to do no prototypes, I don't really care. I just think they should standardize it 
and that's where I stand. Okay, let's get to some actual fun stuff. We had some very, very legitimate results. This is the first time in what feels like probably a month that we've had legitimate track results. And uh, so let's start with the track meet. This is an event put on by Soundrunner. Um, and there was multiple heats um, of the men's and women's 5K trend. Let's start with let's start with the men's 5K. Um, the the points I kind of wanted to hit here was one, they put Centro in the B heat, which is so lame. And I know they were doing off like PR and like this time, whatever, dude. If Centro is at a race, put him in the in the a race like let him go after these guys it's so stupid that he's not in the fastest heat um but he won his slow heat like whatever he won the jv race uh, my other one is the college guys came to play they threw down we had our guy lewis whatever his name is from nau i can't pronounce it but he's a beast he took it and then cooper tier from oregon coming in second so one two for the Oregon guy or for the college guys I mean that's that's pretty wild I mean that kind of showed that they're coming off the NCAA and they belong on the big stage yeah let's we'll start there with the college guys I love seeing these guys run these you know fast freaking times being out there on the track and knowing that they are now going to soon transition to gear up for a cross-country national championship. It gets me so much more excited, I think, than, than the normal cross-country is first and it's all done. I like, I like getting these guys on the track, getting the fast times out there, people like pumping them up, um, just getting like to, to really get to see how capable these guys are. And then we're going to get to see them transition to being outdoor on a cross-country race in just like a couple months now. Um, it's such a cool dynamic that we're getting this year. But, yeah, they, they definitely showed up. Uh, Lewis, I mean, best best hair out there at this point. That that hair sure. just blown sure. the wind. Just unbelievable. Um, Cooper ran well as, you know, fast as well. So it's going to be – it got you excited. I think it just got you excited for the cross-country stuff coming up. And, and I think that's a fair point, Chant, right? Like these guys are probably at a different stage than the pros, right? The pros are just gearing up for their Olympic run, and the college guys are like in the midst of their cross-country training. With that said, I don't give a shit. Like you had two college guys go out and dominate a very, very legitimate professional field. I mean, we're not. We're, this is no like B team 5K that we had out there. This was a very legitimate college field. I mean, even Centro, right? Like the time he ran, like those college guys would have smoked him if he ran that time in their heat. So taking absolutely nothing away from these them, these guys are legit. Let's move on to the women's 5K. And we had two Bowerman Track Club women who absolutely dominated, one of which who was on the podcast today. We had Shelby Houlihan. We had Elise Cranny, who, again, will be on the show today. And they both hit the Olympic qualifying time. Also, a huge shout-out to friend of the program, Dana Giordino, who crushed her PR, had a huge day. She was probably, like, one of the bigger storylines of the race, showing that she is wicked legit, and she's ready to roll. Trent, do you have any points on the women's 5K? Yeah, Dana hit that Olympic standard as well. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't count it. 
Uh, but there was a bunch of Olympic standards out there. Like in, in each race, people were running fast, fast, real, real fast. They were getting those standards out of the way so that, you know, they can get, uh, get geared up for the trials and get ready to qualify for the team there. But I mean, Shelby and Elise, what a power, just like, you know, team right there. Uh, Shelby, when she's done again, we've said it before, but she just doesn't even look tired. It is like incredible. And then Elise has this big giant smile on her face. I know like she, she's kind of known for that. I think is just having like a, the ability to just have that, that giant smile, no matter how fast she just ran. So like Shelby and Elise, it doesn't even, it doesn't even look fair. Uh, the two of them out there kind of working together for most of it. Shelby, you know, obviously she's got a little, little extra something to put on there at the end. Um, but it's, uh, it's just a joy to watch him run. All right, let's transition over to the men's 10K, where we had Eric Jenkins out of nowhere with a little bit of a, a comeback, taking the dub, and I don't know. Maybe this take is a bad take, and you can tell me. I don't know. I'm sure people will let me know it's a bad take. But Ed Chesra, King Ches, was in this race, and he finished third, and I don't know, man. I'm at the point where I'm starting to to maybe maybe call fraud on King Chess here because there fraud. was a time – fraud. Dude, there was a time when he was on top of the world and he was supposed to be the big next thing. And I'm not saying he's not a great runner. He's obviously, like, elite of elite. But, dude, come on. If you're in this race, I don't care what phase you are in your training and all that nonsense. Like, you got to win this race. Like, Eric Jenkins, man. Like, he's unbelievable, but he's, he's kind of on the back half of his career. Ed, you got to beat Jenkins here. Like, I don't know, man. He, I, want, I want him so bad to be like this, like, cold-hearted killer who just goes out on the track and dominates and I know he didn't run bad. Like I obviously didn't run bad, but like he, he should be winning this race. And I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about that. Uh, Jenkins is one of those guys that just kind of feels like he's been around forever. He really is not that old, but he, he does have that. Whatever, for whatever reason, ancient. it just feels like he's been he's in that life yeah. for a long time. But um, he had a, he had a big PR. He ran super fast. I mean, Cesarek, Cesarek ran well. And I, and I know you want that killer. I might have this wrong, but he might even run like a PR. I, I think I saw that in there. So um, we'll, have to, we'll have to cut that out if I got that wrong or just let people tell me on Instagram that I got it wrong. But I, I don't know. I, I did not have the same takeaway as you did. I was not that disappointed with Chez. I mean, Jenkins is a great runner. Um, Chez isn't going to win everything out there. And this is kind of like a, uh, a random, you know, meet almost where it's popping up and who knows where people are at. So I mean, if you if you want to keep the name King Chez, you gotta win the race. You're right, um, but I don't know if I don't know if King Chez is calling himself that or that's us, us all anointing him. Maybe maybe your take is really to the media. Maybe your take is to the fans. We gotta oh, stop no. calling he, him. He Chez, owns that. He he owns the hell out of his King Chez title. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, I it was far from a bad race. It wasn't like he blew up. It wasn't like he did anything wrong. I just. I want to see a guy like that go out and win these races. Like, you know, we think about a guy like Donovan Brazier, right? It's like, it doesn't matter where he is, when he is, who he's facing. Like, that dude is a king, right? Like, he shows up and he's going to beat whoever he faces no matter what. I want to put, I want so badly for King Chez to be in that category where it's like, the dude is just like, like I said, a killer. Like, he shows up and he wins. 
And even when he runs well, like to me, you got to win that race. This is a race yeah. he should win. I guess, I guess I just, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I've never uh, like thought of him in that same level as he put, you know, a Brazier and no one's in Brazier's class, of course, but yeah, I guess you, you're right. That is this conversation we're having is just proving the point that he is not on that, you know, the, the pinnacle of American distance running right now. He's kind of right below that. He needs to, uh, he, he does. He needs to win things like this to change kind of my, like, I'm, I'm not that surprised that Jenkins came up and ran that well and, and Cheswick didn't get a W, right? So that just kind of shows where he's at right now. He's a step below, you know, the true greats in the sport. For sure. All right, moving on to the women's 10K. So we had a showdown that is not unfamiliar that we've seen about a thousand times. This is like round 12 of uh, Wani Kaladi and Alicia Monson and... I would say Kaladi, who in college had, you know, the advantage most of the time, again, took the advantage here, defeating Munson, but it was close like it always is. And I got to be honest, I knew Alicia had turned pro. I didn't know that Kaladi had turned pro, and maybe that's just a huge miss on me. But again, this is just like, this is a matchup we're going to see what feels like forever, right? Like, this is Rocky Apollo. They're just, these two are going to be up against each other from now until the end of time. And I, I can't wait till we're like on Olympic stage and these two are just still battling each other, going after it. It's an awesome matchup. I can't wait to watch it forever. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, they, they both grabbed the Olympic standard, right? So we're going to, we're going to see them battle for some important spots coming up. Um, obviously friend of the program, Alicia mm-hmm, Monson's mm-hmm, got mm-hmm. a special place in our heart as someone that we've got to know a little bit. She's a Wisconsin Badger, one of our, our favorite collegiate programs. So to say that, you know, I'm just enjoying it as a neutral fan would be, would be just false. It would be lying to the people uh, I'm pulling from Monson. So I kind of, I kind of like the stage where she's set up right now. It's like wani has gotten, you know, the advantage early on. Right. And, and when we look back, at the uh, the documentary on Alicia Monson one day as the you know, one of the greatest assistants of all time, it's going to talk about that and how that fueled her, and then eventually she came out um, and just started putting the hurt on her and everybody else. And of course, they'll put clips on uh, the Peak Too Early interview that again was one of the very very few interviews that was just the two of us. Trent was one with Alicia Monson, and I thought I will say I thought we did a fantastic job. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you. All right, so that is our wrap up of the track meet. Before before we move on, Yo, go I just ahead. got some like okay. quick right. hot takes. Oh, that I got I got like I got like ten hey, different like hot Trent, takes. I just want to run by. I'm I I I, I got to be honest with you. The idea of like running the show here without Steve, it's still new to me. I'm still getting used to the flow. I absolutely should have gave you the table there to say, Trent. Any any other final points on this race? Well, most of the time, I'm not going to have any. So I actually would appreciate you not doing that then. Because sometimes you guys turn it to me and I'm like, guys, I don't know what's going on here. You can't expect me to have an intelligent take. So some of these are intelligent. Some of these are not. But here we go. Uh, the track meet. First off, just like calling it the track meet is kind of ridiculous. But I love it. Because in the depravity that we've all had this year of track, to have this big freaking race near the end of the year and calling it the track meet, uh, it's swagger. It's fire. It, it, was, it was great. Uh, two, the blue and pink color scheme that they're selling in the gear on their website, absolute fire. You have some of those Miami Heat jerseys that have that same color scheme. I believe it's a tribute to the old Miami kind of vice television show. But if you guys are just uh, are looking for some 
you know, inspiration for your next, you know, paint with wine night, um, check out the, uh, the, the blue and the pink. It's just, it's just beautiful. It's that, that baby blue, that bright pink. It's great. Uh, stadium speakers blasting pop-up songs the whole night. Love that. Love a little music. There's nothing awesome. better than this night run with music. And then just Friday night, you have 5k after 5k after 5k. Uh, and then Saturday was just 10k after 10k after 10k. For distance runners like us, Mike, this was like the best. I don't know. It was, it was a dream, right? It's all you can ask for. I would have loved to be able to gamble on it, right? You just gamble on one game and the next game and the next game, making up all your losses from the previous ones. It was ripe for gambling for distance runners. Um, but I just kind of love the format. I, I get excited about the other races when you're watching traditional track meet, um, but I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't cool just to watch all the distance ones. Um, final points here, a couple shout-outs that I have to make. One, Jackson Sharp. He is a Wisconsin Badger who won his heat in the 5K. He is the next great Wisconsin Australian. Great accent. He had a, a great hair. He was like, oh, it's a sweet meat, man. It was great hearing him talk in the interview. He had a really cool singlet on. I just loved it. Um, shout out to uh, Tate Scheinbein. I don't know if that's how you name He runs for that's, the Jacuzzi Boys it. track team. You think that was right? Scheinbein? That's probably right. That's probably right. Definitely right. He runs the Jacuzzi Boys track team. Their logo is blood, sweat, and beers. So you have to love Tate Scheinbein running in uh, one of the 5K heats. Um, so, yeah, those, those are just like the, the takes I needed to get out there uh, that I had done all my, my hard research on and the people need to know. Unbelievable. Well done, Trent. Um, all right, we'll move on from the track meet. And the amount that you dove into the track meet makes me a little nervous for the amount that you didn't dive into the Valencia marathon and half marathon, but we're going to go for it anyways here, Trent. Uh, so this past weekend, we had a real life marathon. We had the Valencia marathon and half marathon. I got a few takes, Trent, um, but I'll, I'll leave the floor open for you if you have any takes that you want to throw out quickly. All right, I, I got a little something here. I can't back wow. up my track performance, okay. but I got a few things here. Uh, so men's half marathon, yeah, like massive world record, right? Like four people went under the world record. So wild, just, just a wild day. Yeah, you don't that. That's not supposed to happen, Michael. You're not supposed to have four people just run a world record in the same race on like one of these kind of races that we're not having these big giant you know get-togethers anymore, right? Where we got COVID nineteen going on, and they it's somehow these, got four people to run a world record. It's these damn super shoes, Trent. Yeah, the damn super shoes. Is this were they allowed to with these new rules before? That's the new right. Rules? They, yeah, they know. can wear whatever they wanted. They're, they're running. They're they're basically wearing little treadmills on their feet, dude. That's I'm not sure. I'm not sure that speeds <laughs> you up or not. Treadmill. You kind of just start running in place on the treadmill. Um, shout out to the guy who won Kibawat Candy. Great fire name. name. Fire There's name. Yeah, so my first many names <laughs> that can come out of that. Um, we'll have to like shop talk that a little bit, but that was fire. Um, but that was, yeah, just dominating performance to a guy with a cool name, um, in a super fast field. So I guess that's where I wanted to start. Okay. Yeah. I, that was obviously one of my huge talking points here. Um, and then outside of that in the men's marathon, Lawrence Toronto, who, uh, former Boston marathon champion finished second. He was four seconds from the win. This dude is just addicted 
to having like down to the wire marathons. I think uh, the, the merit, the boss marathon Trent that we ran together 2019, he was the one who won in like that all out, you know, down to the wire kick. And then he had another marathon. I can't remember exactly which one, but it was another Chicago. major Chicago. Chicago. That's right. Where he won in an all out kick this time. He finally got got and got beat here. But still, he lost by four seconds in a marathon. So, I don't know. Lawrence Cherona, I feel like I've talked about this before. Maybe maybe I have a little deja vu. I just think he's addicted to that, like, down-to-the-wire marathon. I don't know. So, that was a huge takeaway for me. I couldn't uh, believe he lost. I was like, when I saw the you dude know, wins. So he's a winner. Going yeah. In. yeah, it's like these guys, oh, they're right next to each other with two minutes to go. Chirono's got it. So maybe we have it. I don't know. Like when this Chebet guy, just like Chirono, he out Chirono Chirono. Yeah. So Chebet, that was another guy I wanted to talk about too. Dude's like 32 years old. And when I was going through his results, like, you know, he had some so obviously like very elite times and good races, but had never like had this like crazy breakout performance. And the dude's 32 years old. So, you know, as far as like marathoning goes, like, doesn't have that much stuff in the tank, but this is a huge PR for him and was like a breakout race. Like I think it was like a two or three minute PR for him. So who knows? Maybe like Chibet has got a little bit left in the tank here. Um, and then on the woman's side, uh, Jeff Cheer, who has obviously made her name in the half. She's a two time uh, world champion in the half marathon. And, now jumping up to the full marathon, not, you know, I mean, obviously not a crazy world record or anything like that. Like we got a, a while to go before we start putting her with, you know, cause guy or anything like that, but she's young and got plenty of life left in her. And like I said, she's won on huge stages and now wins a big race on the marathon stage here. So be interesting to see what comes from her. And then on the American side, we had Emily Sisson, who was like one second or something like that off the American record in the half. And Emily, someone who, you know, was a, a kind of a big favorite going into the uh, trials this year in March for the marathon and didn't have her best day. So it was nice to see her kind of dropping a PR in the half and putting herself back in contention there, making sure it looks like, you know, by all standards here that she is, she's back and ready to go. So good to see that. Uh, and I think that's all the very intelligent takes I have for Valencia Trentel. Yeah, that, that was well done, Michaelton. I had, I had the similar stuff there. I was going to say this, this Jeff Churcher, she's, uh, she's running well, but, and we kind of need it, right? We need somebody to try and battle cause guys. So there's some sort of competition there. So we're rooting for her to run even faster. And then, yeah, maybe we'll see Emily. Uh, I'm sure she's going to be the trials. Maybe we'll see her on the 10K instead of that marathon when we uh, when we look at who's our Olympic team going to be next year. For sure. All right. So me and Trent had the pleasure of talking to the very recently Olympic qualified in the 5,000 meters, Elise Cranny. Elise, Trent, I mean – I had a blast talking to her. A lot of good laughs, a lot of good stuff that we talked about. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was a very fun interview. Great interview. Uh, it's a classic, like, this this Bowerman Track Club that has this kind of reputation as being almost right. an evil empire, right, if you will. 
but uh every time we talk to him we're just like wow that person's pretty awesome um so yeah at least definitely uh definitely likable definitely you know we're gonna be rooting for her moving forward and yeah fun interview yeah for as much crap as we've talked about btc every time we talk to these guys and gals they just you know we always say once you come on the show and you know show your personality we're gonna be diehard fans for the rest of our lives so we're slowly becoming huge btc fans and we are definitely huge elise cranny fans so let's get to our interview with elise cranny let's do it So we're lucky enough to have you coming off a pretty big race. I think uh, it's official that kind of like the Olympic uh, cycle has restarted again for 2021. You're just coming off a huge race with an Olympic qualifier. How are you feeling? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice to, um, to officially get it given that like, you know, the hiatus during the summer of not being able to qualify. So um Definitely grateful that Jerry, uh, Jerry let Shelby and I jump in that 5K. It was kind of a last-minute last decision, but it worked out and definitely nice to have that, you know, stamped and completed before going into next year. With, uh, with how, like, tumultuous this entire summer was, this had to be, you know, just the craziest summer um, for everyone, including track athletes. But for how tumultuous it was and Olympics getting delayed, does it feel like we're kind of – back on track now you have your olympic standard back on track to kind of get into more of a normal training period as you get prepped for the olympics next year or the attempt to go yeah yeah for sure shelby and i were actually talking about how i mean before the race we were like it's kind of crazy like we were really lucky to have all those um meets this summer with our barman teammates but we were like wow we haven't raced like other athletes in a really long time so that was like definitely felt um like some more normalcy there like getting back into you know actually like racing against competitors um outside of just the Bowerman team so I think yeah I mean I think Sound Running did a great job of putting on the meet and it definitely looks different than it does in the past you know with the COVID tests and the masks and such but um definitely nice to to have kind of more of that normalcy and and be um racing against you know competitors and and hopefully looking forward to the trials in the olympics this year for sure how how like in the zone do you feel right now because i know this summer you came off of that like 40 second 5k pr and you just seem to be kind of in this groove are you just you know is it just the normal you know going through the the motions and you're feeling good or are you in like a different kind of zone right now where you're just killing it yeah, um, that's a good question. I think um, in some ways, I feel like I came back um, to start fall training after the summer. Just, I don't know, I think especially seeing what Shelby and Carissa were able to do in the 5k this summer and just how, you know, teammates all around me are elevating the bar. I think that definitely like makes you want to come back and start fall training, like really engaged and locked in and like, okay, this is like the bar being set. This is the standard. Like that's where I want to be. Um but I also think in some ways it was nice to already having one fall like training block under my belt from last year. So this being the second one, I think that also allowed for a little more um, like being, being engaged, but not wasting too much mental energy too early, just knowing a little bit more of like what to expect from the training um, and like how to recover from, from the base fall workout. So I guess in that sense, a little bit of combo, both like more locked in and like, 
you know, knowing where you want to be and, and trying to be, you know, pushed by teammates in practice, but also trying to like, you know, conserve a little bit of that mental energy day to day, just knowing that it's going to be, you know, a super long season. Mike brought it up. I want to talk more about that big race you had earlier this year. So I don't know what, I think it was 37 second PR is what I saw, but at, at what point is it like, like you got to find that balance, right? Between being confident, going out there, setting yourself up for a fast time and also just running like a complete lunatic. And when you're on pace to PR by like 35 seconds, do you get to like the three K and like in your mind, are you thinking like, Oh God, what did I get myself into? Or are you just like, man, I'm just, you know, I'm on another level right now. <laughs> it's definitely hard. I think they're kind of like two, I mean, even approaching the race, it's like, you're like, okay, this is the training that I've been doing. Like I'm ready for this, but there's definitely still kind of like a little bit of doubt and panic in the back of your mind. You know, you're like, Whoa, like I feel like I'm ready for this, but I'm also, I don't know. I think it was like, Oh, I would love to like get the Olympic standards. I would love to get sub 15, 10. And then it was like, Oh, it would be really nice to like be around 15 minutes, but still it's like, I don't know. It feels when you're asking for that big of a PR, like definitely a big jump, even if your training has, has shown that. So I'd say, especially in the race too, I think the three K like thinking about what we were going through in the three K was kind of crazy. Cause my PR was from, I think like my freshman year of college in like eight fifty eight. So it was like, we were basically going to go through the three K in like P PR, you know, time. So I was like, and then after that, you have to keep running a whole nother two K. So I think you can definitely like, <laughs> get overwhelmed by that but I think I was also just excited by by the training we had had at altitude and um knowing that you know I'd done a lot of the training with Courtney so when Shelby and Carissa stepped off and were done pacing I think just you know trying not to focus too much on the splits would be like okay I, like I train with Courtney every day and like she's doing it so I'm gonna stay here because I definitely think if you start to think that you're running you know however 30 something seconds fast and you ever run in your life it, it definitely could be very overwhelming <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, maybe that's a difference between a world-class athlete like yourself and like me and Mike are just washed up runners, but I've been in that position before where you look at the clock and you're like, I'm PRing right now through, you know, whatever. Um, and then most of the time, maybe it doesn't go as well as you originally had like dreamt it up in your head. So it was just impressive to see you kind of be able to go through that and stay confident and hold on to it. Yeah, no, it's definitely crazy though. Like you're trying not to look at it and be like, all right, I've never been at this part of the race and run this fast, but I guess we'll just keep going and hope that the wheels don't fall off. <laughs> I, I love it when Trent says stuff like, oh yeah, that's the difference between, you know, world-class runners and washed up bums like us. Like there's, I can think of about 10,000 differences, I think, between, between the two of us. But... Only one. <laughs> Not just, yeah, just that one. It's, it's only that. That's the only thing. So I have one more. We, we, we usually don't rattle us this many serious running questions in a row, but I have one more. We're going to, we're going to hit it here because there was one other race that uh, you've run kind of this over the last few months here. And it was the four by 1500 uh, world record. Unbelievable race. Uh, Trent and myself, you know, are, are famous for having our school record, D2 school record for four by 15. So I feel like in that way, we definitely can relate. But yeah, so we see there, <laughs> there it is. One thing we don't have in common because we're both record holders. In the That's right. Our, uh, our co-host who is not here today, and I'm very happy about that fact, would, would politely state that it was the only four by 1500 my school ever ran but we're not going to talk not about important that. so let's details, get back to the, details not yeah, <laughs> let's get back to the serious part of the question here so i i just kind of over the last couple of years it seems like i think there's different types of runners some of them who would be on a team like barrowman track or be a, among all these incredible women 
And that could go one of two ways, right? That could either create immense amount of pressure and be this super hard and, you know, just mentally a hard thing to overcome training and racing with these women every day. For you, it seems like you have stepped right into this team. You know, you were put on that 1500 team. You're knocking out PRs like crazy. Do you feel like being around this level of racing and these amazing women has just elevated you that much more? Yes. Yes. I can't even like overstate that enough. Um, I think Jerry's training is incredible, but I think the addition of like having each other to push one another allows us to do things that none of us, you know, would be able to do on our own. And I think that just allows us to hit like a whole nother level in the training that he gives us. Um, and I definitely think, I mean, like you're saying, when you first get here, it's super intimidating. And you're like, I mean, I was getting dropped in so many workouts and it's like, wow, the bar is super high. Um, but I think once you're in it and you can just see, you know, everyone has different strengths and weaknesses and people feel better on different days and can pull you along, you know, when you're not having a great day. Um, I just think that allows for that level of training on a day-to-day basis to be so much higher and, you know, having people in all sorts of different events and people that have competed, you know, at the highest level and being surrounded, you know, by record holders and medalists. I mean, it's something again, like I think really helps with the motivation and how you approach each day. Cause you're like, okay, this is what, you know, Shelby, Carissa, Mo, these people are doing. And this is what you really see the, the details and, and the day-to-day decisions that they're making that like make that huge difference and allow them to be where they are. And I think that's just such an incredible, yeah, power that I can't, that I can't overstate enough. Micah giving me permission to go like off the serious questions, but I unfortunately have a serious follow-up to that. So you're obviously on everyone's calendar at your level. We're looking at the Olympics next year. There's only a limited amount of spots for each, you know, distance and you're surrounded like your biggest competition you're training with um, a lot of times every day. So how do you find that line between like a healthy competition and it becoming like a little bit more of a, you know, a rivalry where this person is, you know, your plane ticket, as my old coach would say, your plane ticket to, you know, across the country to Japan next year. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's something that, um, I know Vanessa Frazier's on here. We were college teammates. So, and we lived together. So it's something that we talk about a lot. Um, cause I think it can be, can be super overwhelming, like, especially, as the team gets really big, it's like, well, there are only three slots in every event and we're becoming saturated in almost every event. And that's not even including the like tons of people throughout the rest of the country, you know, that are running amazing and just elevating American uh, distance running. And so I think, I think it's definitely hard to do, but I think that the, you know, culture of the team is very much like, again, we're here to push each other and get the most out of each other. So trying to, um, really focus on like, okay, how can I get the best out of myself today? And I think that's, it's really hard to do. It's really hard to separate that. Right? It's like hard to be dropped by Shelby or Carissa on a workout and be like, okay, well, I'm still doing the best that I can today. Cause you, you know, you want to be up there, but I think just trying to think about that more and more and, and seeing it as like, you know, this, this longer journey and we're all at different points in the journey. Um, it's definitely hard to do, but I think, um, again, just being able to like work together with everyone's strengths and weaknesses and push each other um, to be better versions of ourselves, like kind of outside of just the Olympic team itself is I think something that's really special. But yeah, definitely something that 
you know, we need to remind ourselves of on, on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, something I can learn from. I like am rooting for Mike to ask dumb questions so that I don't look like, you know, the stupid question asker on the podcast. <laughs> so it's something that, you know, we can aspire to. <laughs> All right. Well, if you insist, I guess I'll ask a dumb question. So one of my favorite things in the world is going through when we're doing research for the the show and stuff like that, you know, you always got to go to the team, like, I guess, roster page or whatever, where it does a little bios and everyone has their serious stories. And every team always tries to throw in like some funny little thing at the end to make our, our, our you know, athletes personable. So if that's the information that, that's going to be put out there, that's the information we're going to ask about. On there, it says that your, uh, your handstand twerking is subpar. Oh, boy. Yeah, I was wondering if over quarantine, you were able to, you know, kind of work on that fine tune <laughs> it maybe make a little progress on your handstand twerking. I was not. I wish I could say that, that I was able to, but I, no, I was not able to. It's something that I really enjoy, but I'm really terrible at, and I actually did it. We had like a uh, little, like, freshman talent show my freshman year of, of college, and I was like, yeah, I don't have any like party tricks. Like I wish I could, you know, just like touch my tongue to my nose or something that was like, you know, really subtle, but you could just use it as a talent. But I, I was like, ah, yeah, we were literally in like uh, an ice cream shop. I was like, yeah, it makes sense to like, just, you know, whip out my hand sand twerking now. It feels like the right time. But it was, I was like really stressed out. So I, I did it the wrong way. Like I was trying to do a handstand against the wall instead of like, or like facing not against the wall instead of against the wall. So it just, it turned out really horrible and I'm still scarred, but yeah, I'm still working on it. Stay tuned. <laughs> I think a, a horrible handstand twerk is still more impressive than licking your tongue. So I, uh, oh, I have to give you props for that. It, it was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> All right. So other fun stuff on the, the BTC website, there's some great workout videos with you and Sean McGordy, uh, former Stanford uh, teammates. So my first question is, how tall is Sean? Uh, I think Sean is six one, maybe. And how tall are you? I'm five four. Okay, I, it looks like a bigger difference in them. Maybe he's got heels on or something. But it's a hilarious video. It's like it's a great workout. There's stuff that we should take away from it. Uh, but it was also hilarious because you guys are like jumping on each other. I was watching one. You're just throwing a medicine ball at him. Um, so I was first wondering about that pairing with the height difference. Just makes it like adds that comical but do you have any exercises that you could recommend like mike and i do that could help our podcasting game oh let's see i don't know let's see what kind of muscles you know do you need for your for your podcasting game maybe you need some like um hmm i'm trying to think we're all about the glory muscles you know yeah (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) then i think you need to work your like forearm muscles maybe to like lift you know, oh, yeah. lift your drink like quickly and you know steadily in the in the middle of the podcast so if it was based on your workouts it would be like me holding up mike like on my forearm with some sort of you know straight arm thing going on so we could yeah yeah i, I think, think yeah you could good. definitely do some some partner forearm exercises i think mm-hmm. I well think can we expect more way. of those those are those are great <laughs> i think i mean i think we should continue to do more i i liked when we decided you know like we had a bunch of different people on the team do it so during quarantine i think that was a great idea i hope people like the the partner core i don't know how uh helpful it actually was for some of those exercises but you know (laughs) maybe maybe brought some some laughs at least (laughs) so another thing that i love is um specifically in our sport i think i think 
a lot of times that somebody gets interviewed or they're on a podcast or something, there's always like the core, like one or two questions that they ask the person every single time, you know, one fun fact maybe about the person that always gets asked. So this is the part of the interview that I'm going to ask you about your parents being uh, triathletes. <laughs> how rate us on how long we lasted to ask that question. Was that a average time length or do we, you know, were we too late on asking about your parents being triathletes? No, I mean, this is definitely the latest I've ever been asked about it, but I appreciate yeah. <laughs> it. I also have never talked about handstand twerking in a podcast before, so I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we ask the important questions, the hard hitting yeah. ones. <laughs> so do your parents make fun of you and say like, oh, your sport's only one third how difficult our sport is? Yeah, they're not impressed at all. Anytime I, you know, tell them about a workout, they're like, yeah, no, I would have been biking for six hours and then done that workout. <laughs> Figured. So now, now that I've run down the whole BTC fun fact um, profile here, the last thing was you're, you're a big country music fan. What is like, what is my go-to artist right now? If I'm going to open my Spotify and listen to a country artist, who am I going to listen to right now? Ooh, you got to go uh, Darius Rucker. Love wow. Darius Rucker. Good yep. call. Yeah. Good call. All right. <laughs> Alrighty, well, Elise, this was awesome. So much fun. But before we let you go, we always end every interview with a quick game down the home stretch. So tonight's down the home stretch. We're going to be talking about baking, rapid fire questions about baking. So Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. Alrighty, uh, let's just start real simple. Favorite type of cookie? Oh, chocolate chip. Classic. Uh, do you have a favorite baking show, TV show? Um, not really. I don't really watch many baking TV shows, actually. Right, literally right before this interview, I was watching the um, I don't know, the British one, the Great British Baking, I don't know, something like that. You should give it to It's pretty funny. I need to watch that. I feel like I've heard a lot about it in the last like two weeks. Like everyone I talk to says yeah, it. It's so solid. I think it's I'm, solid. I'm gonna start watching it. And you're a baker, right? I, well, which, we should just make sure we're on topic here. We, yeah, we yeah, thought yeah, yeah. you were a baker. <laughs> you were like, wow, some baker. You haven't watched any baking right. shows. Yeah, yeah, I like to do it. I also am going to change my answer for the cookie to oatmeal raisin, but oh. I like got stressed giving that answer because I feel like it's very – like people are like, ugh, you can't like oatmeal raisin, but oh, that, that's no. going to be my top first choice. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're allowed to change your answer. Uh, that's not well, how I it works, but it. Okay. I do think well, oatmeal raisin is a quality cookie. Do you ever consider the oatmeal raisin chocolate chip combo? Oh, that's a game changer. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. That's not my question. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe I can say that because then it's like kind of includes chocolate chips. So I'm not changing my answer. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll allow that. Okay. <laughs> all right. So when you're baking, do you like actually measure all the ingredients? Or are you like a dash of this, a sprinkle of that over? Oh, I'm a, me a measure, measure for sure. That, that's a perfect transition to my question because I have a seriously hard time with the whole teaspoon tablespoon thing. I get it mixed up constantly. Do you have a good like tip or trick that I'm not like doing the wrong amount all the time? Uh, I wish I did. I, I don't, I don't have a good tip for that. No, I guess I could just try and like read the, the there's, a, the there's a B in the tablespoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Would you like if you're having like tea, would you have like a really small spoon in it? So like you could just say the smaller one is a teaspoon. I, I don't really know. <laughs> so that's good. Honestly, that'll probably work. Uh, okay, so I have to do a cookie like bake off for Christmas this year as part of a little family thing. 
So just give me like a secret recipe or like a, a secret trick. Like what's something that I can, that I can add a little, you know, pizzazz to my cookies. Almond extract. Mm. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do some it's research. Like, instead of vanilla, you just add, or maybe in addition to vanilla, you just add a little bit of probably instead don't add both a little bit of almond extract. It makes for like a really good flavor. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Have you ever uh, been responsible for a kitchen fire? I have not. No. no. All right. <laughs> make, I wish makes, I had that a makes one of us. <laughs> have right. you? Uh, not, uh, not a fire, but I mean, there's been plenty of things burnt. Like, <laughs> I mean, I burnt fire. a lot of things, just never a full fire. But I am like, you know, when you like always hear about like how to put out an oil fire, like you, you don't want to throw water on it. Like I feel like for right. a long time, like anytime I cooked, I was just like really afraid of overheating any oil because I just thought the like pan was just going to like <laughs> – combust and start a fire <laughs> oh man all right trying to hit her with the last question how much of the cookie dough do you eat raw oh a lot of it a that's lot of the it. only answer yeah the only answer <laughs> Make sure i would you're probably sane. eat all of it if i wasn't actually like you know like if i was by myself and i wasn't baking for like a group of people i would just eat all i mean you, you got to take the cookies out of the oven when they're still like a little bit raw anyways because that's when they're the best you know it's the, the way to do it <laughs> well elise this was awesome thanks for taking some time out of your night to uh spend with us hooligans we really appreciate it yeah thank you so much so much for having me this is a great time Awesome interview. Great talking to you and great making another connection with Bowerman Track Club. And while we are on the subject here, Trentel, I realized that there is a topic that I think we missed when we were breaking down, you know, the uh the track meet with our guy Matt, with our guy Matt Centro here. So I don't know, you 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 were kind of breaking it down and and Tell me a little bit what was going on. So why don't you tell me what Centro was wearing and, you know, his philosophy into this race? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of takes on the track meet that I was kind of just, you know, running through over here. Um, you know, without Steve as a great host to kind of set me up, I just had to force him through. So I forgot a couple. But uh, I, did, I did just want to talk about Centro for a minute. So first off, the, the black T-shirt with the, you know, the Air Jordan jump man around the front was an interesting look and i love the jump man right I, I used to wear jump man earrings when i would race so it's tough for me to throw shade on it but the like baggy t-shirt and when you're central you can wear whatever you want but i feel like wearing that in the third heat and not the fourth heat you know was just you, you can't you can't do that second off he goes out there right i, I heard the interview with him he had just wanted to approach this race as an opportunity to like get back into racing and to feel what it was like to race and practice racing which basically meant he just wanted to go out there and just outkick somebody so he sets himself up into a heat where he knows he can outkick somebody he goes in he he could have run 20 seconds faster he could have run 30 seconds slower he sits on i think it was cole hawker uh and just outkicks him at the end so it was a uh, I, I don't even like like my first reaction was like come on centro my second reaction was like a, he just has the most freaking swag of all time. I'm going to put on this black t-shirt 
and then I'm just gonna sit on somebody. I just feel like out kicking somebody. It's been too long since I've sat there and out kicked somebody. Yeah, so obviously, like I gave a hard time for Central not being in the the top five k, which I still feel like he should have been, right? Like that would that would have made this whole meet a lot more fun. And when you get the big names out there, and of course, longtime listeners will know I have a love hate relationship with Centro here. But with this said, you know we care about winning races, and if that's the race he's going to be put in, and if he wants to throw on his Jordan shirt and just sit on somebody and beat them. There is something to be said for that being kind of a badass move. And, you know, Central's saying, you know, whoever you put in front of me, I'm going to wear whatever I want, and I'm going to beat them type of deal. So I can't – trust me, I would be the first one to hate on this move because I walk a very – you know, very thin line with Centro, but I can't hate it that much. He's earned the right to do it. And the other side of it is I just want to see him run the best heat so we can have epic finishes and fast times that way. And I think that's a very fair argument. That's, you know, our normal game against him. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of earned the right to just go out there and he just wanted to outkick somebody. So he got to outkick sure. somebody. For sure. So in that vein, there was one last thing before we wrap up the show today. That I kind of wanted to call out. Um, there was a lot of news going on, right? So it's hard to like those on to like the news segment here. Um, but so Pete Julian, who coaches what is formerly known as the Nike Oregon Project, posted something on his Instagram. He posted, a, you know, the picture of Eric Jenkins taking the win in the 10K and uh, said, Olympic standard, but the only thing most importantly is for the win. Well done, EJ. So basically saying, you know, he got the Olympic standard, but what we care about is the dub. So in his comments, he had some people coming out here and he had some guy who said, uh, for the win is more important than meeting the Olympic standard, question mark. Okay. Uh, You know, kind of taking a shot at him. And Pete Julian comes right back with a correct. We are not a time trial team. We are are race to win. Oh! So... You know, obviously we had Elise on today and we're talking about Matt. Is that a direct shot at his Nike partners, BTC? Like, is he coming right at their throat there? That's what it feels like to me, Mike. It feels like, for sure feels like that. That, that is, I mean, if there's one team that gets the attention for being that time child team, right? And just... And, and we talk to the BTC people, and there's a reason they do, and it's because they set themselves up to go after, you know, to be in the best position they can to win the biggest races. Um, however, as fans of the sport, it would be great if they were just trying to, like, compete all the time and just be taking out Ws like, you know, Mr. Julian, Coach Julian is pointing out there. So, I don't know, is that allowed? Is that allowed right, to have for, Nike on Nike rivalry, some trash talk? Right, for accountability's sake, Trent. I mean, we have given that criticism directly to the BTC athletes. Like we have had them on interviews and we've criticized them for that to their face. So I feel like we can appropriately say like, we support BTC. We love these guys and we're fans of them. We can be critical of them and also support what what Coach Julian is saying. And it is to me, there is no question about what's happening here. Pete Julian, that comment was 100% no questions asked, a shot at the Bowerman Track Club. And to me, that is wildly exciting that two teams 
under the same logo, under the same sponsorship, clearly have some very legitimate grief against each other. I mean, this is a legitimate beef because Coach Julian, who's not like a, a you know big social media person, isn't. I don't think he's posted a single picture of himself on social media ever. It's always of his athletes. To make that comment, to me, that is clearly, that is a very legitimate beef going on there, that two Nike teams have an issue with the way that they are coached and the way that they approach this sport. And the fact that it was a response to, you know, somebody had commented on his Just a random person, right. Yeah, a random person. Kind of meant like, you know, so he's thinking about what he wants to say, and he, he tries to do it subtly in the post, right, by saying it's all about the win, Eric. You know, great job, EJ. Um, and then you get that response, and he just jumps at the opportunity. Like, he just needed just a little nudge, and then he Slow just push, seized yeah. it, right, from some <laughs> random. It's so easy to ignore all the commenters out there when you're somebody like Pete Julian. Um, but he takes that, and he just seizes the opportunity to, to throw it out there. And it's – uh. You know, a little Nike on Nike, but it's 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 like a it's a comment to you know the entire sport as a whole. And I think uh, Pete maybe just kind of sees what we see that in order to grow the sport, you know, it's really important to have guys out there and women out there that are just trying to win and putting themselves into the the best races. So um, yeah, shout out shout out Coach Julian for for throwing it out there. No question. And on that note, Trentel, why don't we kick off the bell app? All right, we've talked running way too much on this podcast, Mike. We had a little bit of uh, off track earlier, um, but not enough of it. So I just want to say uh, 45 to nothing, Mike. I mean, I don't want to like... Go back, baby! <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but I did, I did think it was important that we brought up that the Patriots won a, a National Football League game uh, 45 to nothing this weekend, and a lot of people had counted them for dead. and. Um, 40, 45 to nothing is a, is a lot of points to a little points. Trent, not me. I never counted them dead. Not once, not ever. You'll never, you'll never get me to admit that I ever counted them dead. Now, do we need to win out for them to make the playoffs? And do we need to win out and a million other things go right in our favor for them to make the playoffs? Sure. But would you count out the Patriots? Would you count out the Patriots being able to? Would you count out Bill Belichick being able to do that? Would you count out any team that just won 45 to 45 is up. Has there ever, Trent, riddle me this. Has there ever been a 45-point spread? In, or I'll give you this, a 44-and-a-half-point spread ever in the history of the National Football League? No. And it, the answer, and is, the answer what, is no. And if there was one, you would be betting the under on it, right? Everyone would bet the under on that 44 and a half. There's not yeah, even some... 44 and a half point spreads in college football, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 44, 44 and a half points. You'd be stupid not to take that. And the Patriots just covered that spread. That's unbelievable. Great Bell app. Trent, what I got on the Bell app is I've had a blast with you tonight. It was very fun. I like when Steve, you know, takes the handcuffs off and just kind of lets us run loose and be wild and hooligans. It was fun for an episode, but I can't wait for Steve to come back and add some structure to this. It's a lot of pressure for me to kind of be making sure that the podcast goes the way it's supposed to go. Steve, I need you back to reel us back in and to get this podcast back on track. 
other than that, Trent, you know what? I don't want to say it. Trent, you finish us off. Michaelton, Steve, everyone out there, I would run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the jokes. Just is on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things I don't want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Ain't gonna be nothing to do. No way to run when I'm in trouble. No one do anything for you. Let's stay the night but keep it on together. I just wanna use your love. It's really like, I feel like it's intense if you go, you know, in like January or right now, because that's like avalanche season. But if you go by like April, it's the risk of avalanche is super low. But I mean, it can still happen, right? Yeah, but you can also get hit by lightning. Like the, the risk is just yes. super low. So, And you have Squant, who's like, you know, you're fucked if you get separated from him. But he can give you some, what are you doing, big girl? Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. He's not fine, sis. Notes. I just wanna use your love tonight.